Welcome to this Market Commentator podcast. My name is Rijk van Niekerk and this is my weekly podcast where I speak to leading investment professionals. My guest today is Peter Little. He's a fund manager at Anchor Capital and he manages the Anchor BCI Managed Fund and the Anchor Global Stable Fund. He has worked in financial markets for more than two decades. Peter, thank you so much for joining me. We are currently seeing a lot of uncertainty, a lot of volatility and uh, we also see very divergent performances of collective investment schemes. Have you, in your experience, seen periods that you could compare this volatility to? Yeah, certainly. So I lived in South Africa and, and worked in South African markets for probably the last seven or eight years with Anchor Capital. But before that, I spent the majority of my career in, in London and New York. I was actually chatting to somebody this morning and, and they were saying, we need to get our clients out of SA equities. This has gone forever and no point in, in worrying about this. And and I said, I, it bit like deja vu in the sort of 2009 to 2011 period when I was working in the U.S., when investors were saying at that point after the financial crisis, the S&P had, had lost so much that effectively over 10 years, call it the last decade, you hadn't made any money in the U.S. equities. And investors were saying, oh, these things are sort of gone forever. There's no point in investing in U.S. equities. And of course, with perfect hindsight, we can now see that the next 10 years were, were a phenomenal one for U.S. equities. And it kind of feels like the same same sort of scenario for South African equities. So investors are saying that this this asset class is uninvestable and absolute disaster in the local market. Let's just get our clients offshore invested in offshore stock markets. You know, I'm, I'm not not particularly excited about the local prospects for the local economy, certainly for the short term. But uh, these things tend to go in cycles. So, yeah, you, you get periods like this of high volatility, but uh, I guess that's the price for, for trying to achieve long term growth. I think it could be, uh, as you say, it's very cyclical, or it's probably one of the biggest value traps in the world, and there is risk attached to that strategy. But are you doing things differently when things become as volatile as we are currently seeing in the market? We try not to react to stuff. So you don't want to be sort of after the fact saying, oh, this thing is down and it's like disastrous and now it's time to get out because that you know, that pretty much guarantees that you're going to lose money. So, so we try to be less reactive. And, and making the big macro calls is always a fairly low probability event because it's very difficult to predict like the future of the economy. As you say, the SA could be the biggest value trap ever or the best uh, value opportunity. That's quite a hard one. And so we tend to work more in channels where we say, okay, you know, we want to be invested in this asset class. The prospects for growth aren't looking particularly good at the moment, but there is some optionality. And so we're going to take that into consideration when we invest. Similarly, offshore, you say, you know, we've had some really phenomenal performance there and there are some great opportunities and, and extremely innovative companies that we can find offshore. But, you know, you're paying up for those as well. And there's obviously a consequence of paying for that growth as well. So, but we, we, we try not to sort of take this binary approach of you're all in or you're all out and find that the best way to do this is to have a sort of idea of where you broadly want to be invested and have little tweaks around the edges of how much SA equity or SA bond exposure you want. I'm looking at your latest fund fact sheet of the managed fund. It is a Regulation 28 fund. But when I look at the top 10 holdings as at the end of September – you have cash at Investec, nearly 12%. Then you have Naspas in the second position, 5.6%. 
Then you have the uh, government bond, the 2030 long bond, 4.7% of the fund. I don't see many SA Inc. stocks in this portfolio. If I look, just look down, I can see British American Tobacco, Anglo-American Process, and as I've said, NASPAS, and those are pretty much international off- offshore counters. So the positioning sort of over the longer term, we generally want to have about 45% of that fund invested in the domestic stock market. Now, as you point out, there's obviously big components of that that have nothing to do with South Africa, things like NASPAS and BTI, et cetera. At the moment, we're on kind of the low end of where we would typically be for that domestic equity exposure. So we've got about 35% of that fund invested in the JFCE. And then within that, we've probably got about 13 or 14% that's in stuff that we would call SA Inc. So these are, are companies that earn the majority, the vast majority of their earnings in South Africa, the banks, retailers, and the likes. So we have probably about 13% of the fund in total geared to South African stories per se. Within the rest of that 35% domestic equity exposure, we probably have about eight or nine between NASPAs and Process. We probably have another eight or nine in, in the mining stocks, which obviously are, are physically present in South Africa, or, or some of them are physically present in South Africa, but but not necessarily geared to the South African economy. There's then RAND hedges, probably about four or five percent in RAND hedges like BTI, etc. So so very low exposure at the moment to the SA economy or sort of domestically focused stocks but that'll change through time you know it's it's not a good season at the moment but uh, but we're not writing it off completely the investec cash investment 12 percent of course the the yields in south africa currently as is the case around the world is very very low are you looking maybe to to look for some opportunity with that cash that's cash that should typically be invested in equities that's more of a sort of a risk off so we're sitting on effectively dry powder that we're looking to deploy should opportunities prevent themselves. We have about probably about a quarter of the fund's assets invested in government bonds. So, And that's typically towards the long end of the duration. So I think you pointed out the 2030 was in there. That's a 10-year bond. We have anything from R186 to the R2040s. So it's a sort of seven to 20-year to maturities in there give us an average yield of about 9.5% on a quarter of that portfolio. So, so yeah, we, we, we typically don't want to be sitting on cash, which in that uh, we sweep cash into that Investec account, overnight account, which gives you maybe 3 or 4% at the moment. So we don't want to be leaving too much money in there for too long. But that's, that's more tactical cash that we're looking to allocate to, to good equity options. Opportunities, but the the bulk of our sort of yielding assets, we're we're much further up the duration spectrum, looking for you know high single, very high single digit uh, rand yields from from that part of the portfolio. We've had the medium term budget policy statement being tabled in Parliament this week, and it's clear that South Africa has a very big fiscal problem. Are you concerned by this, especially in relation to the, the, the holding of bonds that are, you know, long dated? Yeah, sure. I mean, we certainly, certainly is in a tough position. It's, uh, you know, not enough revenue and, and lots of potential to need funding. But the good thing about financial markets is they, you know, they don't necessarily have to wait for the event. 
financial assets are already pricing in a certain outcome in South Africa. And if you look at our yields on our longer-term government bonds, our tenure government bonds in the higher single digits, almost double digits, that's already pricing in a pretty bad outcome compared to what you can get globally in yields where the developed market yields are very close to zero, even at that sort of duration. So so we think there's already a, quite a bad outcome priced into to South African bonds. Not to say that it couldn't end disastrously, but we think that a sort of disastrous outcome that's worse than already that has already been priced in is a fairly low probability event, and we're we're happy to sort of milk the yield out of those bonds for the foreseeable future. Let's talk about the Anchor Global Stable Fund. It is a very interesting fund. It's um, labelled as a moderate risk fund. But when I look at the top 10 holdings, there are some very interesting investments. The top holding is in the S&P 500 futures, close to 10% of the total fund value. Tell us about this S&P 500 futures fund. That fund is an equivalent of a sort of a stable fund offshore. So it's Irish domicile. It's for investors that already have cash outside of the country that can invest with, with dollars. And it has typically about a quarter of its assets in equities, about 60% in, in bonds, and that's a combination of government and, and corporate bonds, and then a little bit in property and cash. And so in that equity exposure, I get about a quarter of it, or sort of out of the 25% equity exposure, I would typically look to take like 8 or 10% of that in sort of just low-cost market exposure. So those S&P futures are just a, a very cheap and efficient way of getting exposure to the U.S. equity markets. And then we'd supplement that with, uh, you know, the other 15 or so percent would be individual stocks that we've selected based on fundamental analysis. But that's sort of like a core satellite approach. We would just want a core of, of uh, generic cheap exposure to those uh, global equity markets and then surround that to get the rest of the equity, offshore equity exposure there. You've also quite heavily invested in U.S. bond. Now, I believe the the yields on U.S. bonds are very, very low. Can you take us through that thinking? Yeah, absolutely. So the the idea of that this this fund will try and deliver investors sort of three to five percent annually in U.S. dollars, and so we need to get probably about one and a half to two percent of that in yield. And then we want to get another percent or two of growth. So, so if we make the assumption that a quarter of that uh, fund is invested in equities and those can grow at sort of eight, eight percent a year in dollars, that gives you a couple of percent of capital appreciation. And then we need to get a couple of percent of yield out of the rest of the portfolio. And as you allude to, the developed market yields are, I mean, very for for sovereign risk is very close to zero. So for you know, U.S. 10-year government bonds are trading at around 70 basis points. So clearly we need to do a little more to get some yield out of that. So so out of the fixed income exposure in that fund or the bond exposure in that fund, which is about 60% of the fund's assets, we probably only have about 15 or 20 in sovereign bonds. And frankly, as those roll off, we're kind of moving them into the corporate bond market. And so we have about 40-odd percent invested in predominantly investment grade US dollar corporate bonds, which can give us a yield of sort of around 2%, depending on which part of the, uh, which sectors you play in. So yeah, we, we, we're generally phasing our way out of the government bonds. We've actually given you quite good capital returns for the first part of the year as the central banks have bought those up. But we think that that's, you know, you've kind of squeezed the juice out of that uh, 
that trade already and and as those bonds roll off we, we're rolling that into more of the high grade corporate bond space and that's interesting because there is so much liquidity in the us and a lot of that money is flowing to emerging markets in search of yield is this maybe a vehicle to park money offshore until we see a bit more stability given that that particular fund is typically used by the the majority of its investors as a sort of stable capital base. They're not looking, you know, it's it's typically used alongside an equity exposure. And so they're getting the majority of their, their growth or capital growth from the, the equity exposure. And this part of, part of the portfolio just needs to make sure that there's no major capital losses. And so obviously the things that can help you avoid the capital losses are tendly, tend to be the, the sovereign bonds, as we've said, that, that uh, yield has kind of disappeared. And so we've moved into the corporate bond space. You could obviously achieve some higher yields in the emerging market debt and particularly the sort of high yield uh, dollar emerging market debt. But that kind of defeats the object of us of looking for capital safety because, you know, as you would have seen in March, April, for when we went into the peak of the COVID crisis, it's those kind of bonds can, can mark sort of 20 plus percent down. Um, and that's obviously not a, what investors necessarily want to see on their statement when they're in that fund. So so for every bit of yield you add, markets are efficient, you, you're getting compensated. In order to achieve that extra yield, you, you're having to take on more and more capital risk. And this is, you know, in this fund, we don't need to take that on. We can get the growth through the equities and we just want to make sure that we get a moderate yield with limited capital risk. Obviously, stay away from the very high yielding EM bonds. Peter, thank you so much for your time today. That was Peter Little. He's a fund manager at Anchor Capital.